Authenticity marketing, that's really, to me, all it is, is authentically connecting with the brand. McDonald's, in my opinion, is not giving you no fluff. We make the best hamburger in the world, right? We make people happy. Welcome to McDonald's. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. Welcome back to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. If you like what you're hearing so far, it would mean the world if you would subscribe or share this on social. Today, I'm joined with the Beyonce of marketing, Janae Brown. She's the founder of Brown to Perfection, a creative marketing and event production agency that specializes in helping brands and artists become the best versions of themselves. If you're not following Janae on social media right now, go and hit that follow button. I'm excited to welcome Janae to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for the warm intro. Super excited to be here. You're great on social as well. So it was only a matter of time before we connected. So yes, again, thanks for having me. Super excited to dive in this conversation because I think you have some gems to share with the audience, but I want to get into your cool background in marketing and how you got started in the music industry and worked your way up. Mm -hmm. I started off really just the background goes as far back as like interning for startup marketing and brand management companies and, you know, being president student activities in college and putting on 66 events per semester. So really in having to market and budget them and all that. And then fast forward interning at Sony Music, at RCA Records, landing a, a job at, you know, Columbia Records and jumping back to RCA Records and marketing uh, and then branching out and starting Brown Perfection. So been doing this for, oh my goodness, coming up on five years now as far as just solely working on the agency. And that's been amazing. And here we are today. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's so hard as a mark a marketer and an entrepreneur to just have a business going for that long like i was an entrepreneurship major in college and you hear all these stats of businesses failing in the first year so you're at five so you're yeah very super duper grateful and then like i think even beyond that like the numbers for agencies it gets even crazier right like how many years it takes you to really scale or how long you know agencies last There's a lot of people who stop their agencies and just go back to corporate and like you know it's definitely a lot of work but i think the difference for me is we do our best to be impactful. And the cool thing is that we get to choose our clients. So our clients often choose us as well, but we also get to choose as well the types of clients and ideas and amazing brands we get to work on. And so I think there's always a bigger picture for me beyond just like the ROI, always. People always ask me like, so what types of clients do you serve? And I'm always like, it's not really like about the what, but the who, right? So like, what is the brand story? Who is the brand? Like we worked with everybody from, you know, product brands to artists, to creatives, photographers, media personalities, influencers, politicians, funding firms, literally tech companies, apps. Like it really is about like, 
like I said, like, what is the brand story and can we help maximize the potential of this entity? Because I feel like anybody almost with a a functioning brain can create some sort of sales or some sort of visibility, but I don't know how many are shooting for longevity within a brand. And so that's what we do our best to do, help them reach their target audience. Sometimes it's helping them figure out who the audience even is, right? (laughs) And then um, just really creating that conversation surrounding it and one that's not going to stop whether they stay on our roster or not. I want to dig into like that foundation, like, well, how do you create that foundation for a brand that is going to sustain a long term? What is the foundation points that you look at? Definitely for me, like I believe heavily and we as a company, like in authenticity marketing, right? So I love to like, you know, quote this T.D. Jakes quote about like not taking a table and making it a chair, right? But making it the best table that like the world has ever seen. I think what happens a lot with brands, especially if they're rebranding or they bring somebody in to refresh or like even establish them, it's always or typically like, okay, great. You guys are a cereal brand. Like, let's make this whole big to do. And like, I'm all for a big to do, but it has to be one that translates, one that speaks to the heart of the brand, the heart of the founders, and more important than anything that speaks to the hearts of the target, because you can put on all these bells and whistles and create a whole carnival. But like, if it's not the type the, the type of games that you have at this carnival are not the kind that your target market actually likes likes to play, they're going to walk right by that carnival. So it's like, or maybe they'll come in and pop in out of curiosity, right? But then after that, like, okay, this was boring. I'm out. I'm not coming back. Next year, they're going to see the flyer for the carnival. I'm like, eh, that wasn't that great. We're not going back here. Let's go to Six Flags, right? Like you have to really establish it and establish a relationship with the customer. I think, you know, a lot of marketing sometimes, traditional marketing is very base level. It's establishing a very base level relationship with the consumer, right? Advertising is very base level. Like, here's the thing. Here's why you need it. Come get it, right? Here, or offering it to you in 10 different ways. I think when you, these days especially, like we have digital, we have social media. Literally, you can court your customer from like point A to point B. You can do it every day. You can do a little bit every day. You can do it on multiple platforms. You can do it to every level of customer, right? So your target, and then I always like to say there's a surrounding, right? Target of people who like, maybe they're like a one-time buy-in or just somebody who kind of looks from afar and like, okay, that's cool, but they're not like your core. I think music helped me a lot with that because when you're marketing music, like, especially if you're, you know, artist development, I got the privilege to work on a lot of like, very like up and coming artists as well, emerging artists. And so I also worked on legacy artists. So I've seen, if you like, you know, for analogy sake, I've worked with really big brands and I've worked with really small startup from the ground up brands. And so if you use the, you know, you put it into like music terms. When you're building a fan base, I always like to talk about like the Cardi B effect, right? Like she built a very tight knit 
fan base of people. There were people, those of us who were watching her when like she didn't have a record deal. She didn't have really any music out that was really buzzing like that. Even before she got on reality TV, she was just a funny girl on Instagram, right? A regular, regular, schmegular girl from the Bronx, right? That was her thing, right? And so then you take that and then you keep building it out. And then there's other things happening. Reality TV comes. So now she has fan base for that. But all this time she's pushing the music, right? And so there are, there are fans of her music as well. Then, boom, she has Bodak Yellow. All of a sudden, it seems like this girl came out of nowhere. No, she was building the fan base brick by brick by brick. And so now, whether you are a core Cardi stan, right, and you absolutely adore her, or you're just someone who likes a couple of songs, you're aware. You know who she is. You know what the brand is. You've heard a song, whether you hate it, love it, like it, didn't listen to it again, you know that like the awareness is there and like the longevity is there now because she can continue to do whatever she wants. She could do movies. She could do, you know, whatever. She has a bunch of different endorsements and things happening already. And so I think that is how you establish longevity. You build a relationship with the target consumer from the ground up. That's how I would say you have to do it. And listen, a lot of, I think, marketers or just even companies and brand owners aren't necessarily willing to put in that type of work. It's very tedious. It's very, you know, growth strategy is, especially if you're trying to get it organic, right? Like it takes time. It takes a lot of strategy. It takes a lot of trial and error. And so some people don't have the patience for that, but I think it's worth it to at least establish it on the ground level so that you have, like you said, that foundation to build off of. So when you have bigger, a bigger base, bigger things happening, bigger partnerships, bigger opportunities, like you never really fall flat from them, you hit your foundation. Like, I think that's just like the easiest way to get it done. I want to go into this like correlation between like how you've used everything in the marketing in the music industry to how you're using it for brands. Cause I think, I think the music industry has the most like creative techniques to do things. And they do things that are preached in everyday marketing, but people don't realize like consistent yep. content pro- production, collaborations with big artists, building the fan, like building a fan base, like one by one, like handing their discs out and mixtapes out to everybody. Yeah, style. yeah, like I want to go into like that because I think like, and they also, one thing that they really great at is connecting with culture. Like they, they like in culture is like the biggest thing, like to start trends. If you see how it's exploding on TikTok right now, like it's yep. crazy. Like I want to go into like that. Like how do you, how have you taken that music stuff and like applied it to like a company like brand. I always say like my, the the two things I love more than anything, or I guess three things. It started off with two though. All my life I've loved music and I loved people. And then I grew to love marketing once I realized that that was something that I also loved. Music is literally about people. I always say music is the quickest way to connect anyone. You could take two people from any two ends of the world, right? They don't have to know each other. They don't have to look the same. They don't have to speak the same language they don't have to like the same things but if you put on a song they're gonna they're both gonna feel something right music is the only thing i can think of in this life that can do that right we've seen for our entire lives historically music brings people together music changes things music 
uh, speaks. It's so powerful, right? Like in, in all its different ways, whether it's directly through the music, whether it's through messaging, whether it's through lyrics, culture, all of that, right? Impact. And so I think that for me, marketing is pretty much the psychology of people, right? Like in order to do well with marketing, you need to know people. You need to know what makes people tick. And so to me, they're pretty much the same thing. So if music is about people and marketing is about people, then to me, like it's very easy to make the correlation and kind of approach them similarly. Not the same, because I will say there are things obviously that like are very specific to artists and to music. I don't necessarily market an artist the same exact way I would market a product brand, but there are way more similarities, I think, that people are paying attention to when they're marketing. Oftentimes, I am taking things from the traditional marketing world and applying it to artists. I'm taking things from the artistic world and applying it to traditional marketing. And then it's like, oh, wow, this is like so fun. But it's you're tapping. It's like almost tapping on the same nerve. Right. But just it's it's like kind of um, there's all these pressure points and nerves in your body. Right. Like I might press on my wrist and feel something in my ankle. It's like literally the same thing. And it's because of, you know, not to get all scientific, but, you know, the nerve endings and everything. That's exactly how I think of it as well. Also, I want to go into like content production, like, and like the keys of that and like why it's needed. And also like, what are your thoughts on like how often people brands should be putting out like good content for their audience? Um, I think content is king. I think that it's been king and I feel like I'm, I'm hoarse from like screaming that from the social media raptors, but I think the pandemic as unfortunate as it was, that is one thing that it showed people, excuse me, is true and worth investing in, worth monetizing, and that it's a necessity, not an extra thing, as for some reason people have thought it was in the past few years. Anything that's actually been extremely successful, I would say arguably in the past five years, directly linked to some sort of good content. And good content does not always mean like, okay, top, super top, tip top quality. And we went and we rented a hundred thousand, like a, a huge film team and all this other stuff. It doesn't even always mean visual, right? But I think good content is content that translates no matter what. I don't care if it's like one example I love is like Tabitha Brown, right? Quote unquote, breakout influencer, actress, star. All she was doing was recording on her iPhone on Instagram. It wasn't super polished in the beginning, right? But it translated and made people happy. It brought them joy. It made them feel something in a time where we really needed that. She's funny. She's charismatic. She's interesting, right? And the deeper you go, it's like, ooh, amazing, right? I I think content can be so many things these days as well. Like it can be audio. It can be visual. It can be written. It can be like, there's so many ways that you can go. I think it's just about not just having it, but having content that is good content in the sense, again, that it translates and then being consistent to speak to how often brands should be posting content. I feel like it's a double answer. The first answer is like, how often is your audience online and where are they? 
right? Because I think everybody wants this one size fit all, like, okay, you need to be posting three times a day on this platform, that platform, that platform and be done. But that's not really the truth. Like I have clients that some of them need to be on Instagram. That's their biggest platform. I have a client right now who like, they're killing it on Clubhouse. So we're going to leverage that. I have clients that it's like, Twitter is their saving grace. I have clients that like, Reddit forums. Like there's (laughs) clients that it's just like YouTube, it's streaming services. It's, you know, all these different platforms. So it's like, where's your audience? That's like the first thing you need to know. Like, where's your audience, right? Like, where do they live? Where do they like to receive things? Where do they get information? Where else are they? If it's a product or whatever, where are they streaming? Where are they buying? Where do they just go to receive joy, to get controversy, to find, you know, what's happening in current events? Where are they at? And then how often are they there, right? Also, the second part of the answer is I always say like, you know, if it's a platform like Instagram, we all know there's an algorithm. So it's really what what results do you want? If you post once a week on Instagram and you don't have a super engaging following and like you're trying to build a platform, I don't think that's efficient. That's just me. This is a constant argument with everyone, but that's just me. I think if you're trying to really build something based off of not just algorithm, but just based off of human nature and the fact that like people need to see something several times before they buy in, you might want to be posting at least three times a day. That's probably when you're going to get the best engagement, the, the most shares and saves and all that different stuff and comments and follows and whatever. I mean, biggest thing with like an Instagram is shareable content. You want to create shareable content because it's kind of the only way to gain a following right now like a consistent, large following. Like if you want to get followers in bulk, shareable content. Because every time somebody shares something on their Instagram story, they're sharing it to their however many followers. And then the next person, 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 you could be averaging with really good content at minimum, like 100 followers a day, if that's your game. Then again, something to think about. Do you want followers? If you do, what for? Do you want them to translate to sales? Do you want them to listen to music? Like there's so many brands too that like, you know, remember what you're doing it for. I know the numbers look pretty, right? They look nice. It's always a nice stamp, but like if you're trying to make sales, social media might be like a promotional avenue, but you may need to be running ads, right? Like you may need to be, on people's, you know, websites, you may need to be, you know, increasing your SEO on Google. You may need to be, I don't know, doing partnerships and collaborations with influencers. Maybe your focus shouldn't be Instagram, right? And having a pretty Instagram with a bunch of followers. I think, again, with all the posting and the consistency and the frequency, it really, really depends on what your goals are. And I know people don't like that answer, but it's the real answer. (laughs) It is truly the real answer. And then you go based off of, let's say like Twitter, you find out like, okay, my, my audience is on Twitter. And I always say like, pick two top platforms that like, this is where my audience is. And then everywhere else, I'm with having presence on everything else, but repurpose. Don't drive yourself and your team if you have a team or yourself if you're, de- if you're doing everything yourself. Like, don't drive yourself nuts trying to be on every single social media platform. Because, again, if your audience is kind of there or you just want to, you know, have something there just in case somebody walks by on TikTok, cool, <laughs> that's fine. But don't drive yourself crazy trying to manage eight different platforms and give them all 
original, consistent content, like please learn how to repurpose, please learn how to change the tone and the language for the different platforms and like focus on your top two and give them all you got. Because another thing that happens is when you're really good on a social platform, they will transfer over. When they like you, they're going to go find you on TikTok. They will go find you on Instagram. They'll go find you on Facebook. They're going to find you. What They will find your social security number if it's not hidden. They will go find you. But like, you just need to build solid things. I think a lot of people stretch themselves too thin and confuse the audience. It's like, where are we today? Are we on Facebook? We on Reddit? We on, where are we? What are we doing? We're on email newsletters. It's like, pick some things, figure out a nice little breadcrumb trail for them to go to meet your ROI. And I think take it there. A Twitter, I think Twitter is very conversational. You need to be posting on there at least, I say at least like five original tweets a day. That's my my opinion. And then sharing other things that are relevant to your community. Nobody likes to feel like they're being sold to all day. Nobody wants to feel like you just want their money all day long. All you're doing is advertising and promoting the brand and promoting yourself. Like if they're following you, they know you're there already. They probably know what you do. So yes, you want to insert that, but you want to diversify the content. Twitter likes community. That's what it's about on Twitter. It's not about, you know, Instagram is more show and tell. Twitter is more community. And then, okay, I'll show and tell you guys, but it's like in a community way. And it's like, we're all, let's everybody go around the room and share, right? That's more Twitter. Instagram is more like, hey, look at me, we're doing this, right? Okay, next person walk up to the stage, right? It's just a different kind of mental space, I think, for the consumer. So you want to act accordingly, for sure. Yeah, I I love what you're saying about, because I think a lot of people get stuck on, oh, how do I grow my following on these platforms? And I always say to them, like, one, create something worth following first. And then two, like, if you're constantly helping and providing value, it will grow. Like, Well, it is. Yeah. And the, and you could probably contest to this because this happens to you a lot. And I, cause I've seen it is the most times you you've grown, you're probably following is when people, you create something worth talking about and people started talking about it and it was retweeted a million it's times. True. And then that's where the biggest boosts happen because you created something so worth talking about that it was in, and that comes to knowing marketers and, obviously you know marketers so if you know marketers want what we're thinking about that you're entering the conversation in their mind they're going to talk they're going to be like oh that's my thought as well i'm going to share it yeah it's relatable like relatable and that's why i'm always like you know don't talk at your audience talk to them talk with them right like most of the people, even if you think about something as easy to understand as like celebrity or the artists that I, I feel like the breakout artists that have happened. I'm going to go back to Cardi. That's that's my girl. But she's just a really good example. You go back to Cardi, right? Like a lot of people liked Cardi because she wasn't polished. And so many people couldn't understand why people loved her so much because she's not polished. She's real. She's a real person. And when someone can see themselves in a brand right? Whether it be by way of visually or whether it's just by way of brand persona, overall brand storytelling. When someone can feel like they can see themselves in you or in the thing, 
they're there. You got them. Because like you said, right, if I post something that marketers can relate to, then it's like, yeah, we all in this together. Oh, my God. You feel like that, too? I thought it was just me. Great. Right. And it just takes somebody seeing something that like like that one or two times. And then it's like, OK, yeah, this is definitely somebody like I want to follow. I want to connect with. I enjoy, you know, and especially right now, like one thing we're lacking because, again, we're in this unfortunate pandemic is connection. So humans more than ever are craving connection. One of my favorite ads right now is, and I guess it's not particularly an ad, but it is an ad, was the Google A Year in Review that they did for 2020. And rather than ignore the pandemic, right, and be like, hey, guys, 2021 is coming. Forget about 2020 enough. Let's go find some joy. And rather than being like, oh, this was the worst year ever. Oh man, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. Right. (laughs) They really did both. They were honest. They spoke about the terrible things that happened. They spoke about the amazing things that somehow broke through. They spoke about the everyday feelings that everyone could relate to, that everyone had. Like everyone has experienced like your whole house being a mess, but you on Zoom, right? Like everybody has experienced like, you know, if you didn't lose a loved one, you you know someone who did. Like everyone experienced that. Everyone was maybe not happy about the Lakers winning a championship, but they were mostly happy that basketball was back. It was something to do that wasn't like, think about the pandemic, right? Like there's, you gotta find a way to connect for real and make, again, like the the audience needs to see themselves, needs to feel it. That the day of like that big gap between brands and the consumer are gone. Like they're done. Personally, I don't think it was ever as big as we thought, but it's closer because really good advertising does just that anyway, right? Really good marketing does just that anyway. But I think now more than ever, it's imperative, especially bringing on like the next generation. Like I always say, Gen Z, like you got to be authentic and then give them the choice. They don't, from my observation, like things pushed on them seemingly. They're going to ask a lot of questions. They want information. They want the background and they want it to be good, but they want it to be real. They don't necessarily require polish, but they require real. And I think I don't know if it has to do with them being the first generation that has always had technology or not, but they just have a different lens view, in my opinion, um, uh, on that stuff. I want to go into this authenticity subject. I, it's really a cool subject, but I want you to dive deep into it. But the reason why I want to go into it is like it has been around for a while because there was like a famous Avis ad that admitted their flaws up front that they were second in the industry and like they told everybody yeah we're number two but this is why we're better we'll we'll we'll, we try harder than the number one and even talking about cardi too like i've seen her live in person i think she shows her flaws on stage and she shows her truth on stage. Like she's not going to go up there and be fake. Like, you know what you're going to get. So So that I want to go into diving into like how, why is it so important for brands to be like this? And even, and also I think showing their flaws is so important. Like, I think like 
people trust people if I come and say like, hey, you know what? I am not the best at product marketing, but yeah, I am. I, I know how to grow right. social media and following. Yeah. yeah. So I want to dive deep into this like authenticity and like how do you like help brands become more authentic, their authentic self? I will, people always use that phrase like, do you want to die on that hill? I will die on the hill of authenticity marketing. I I don't think there is a better way. I just don't. I I swear by this. And I think I've been actually screaming this before I could legally drink. So it's been a long time. I think that it's so important because like, again, just kind of going back to what we've been talking about, like you got to connect and then you got to get them to stay. I just think consumers see through things. We have too much access to information now. We have too much access to just, we have so many choices, right? Like we are allowed to make our own decisions at every turn. Before, I think traditional marketing and advertising was a little limited. And so we could only really only find out about certain things in a certain way. And so then that limits your choices. Now the world is an open book. So, I mean, how far are you going to get if you're faking it, right? <laughs> like yeah. that's big very far. And as traditional marketing consumers kind of phase out just because of age and different buying habits and consuming habits and all of that, what's left is the millennials and the Gen Zs that's like, ah, yeah, no, I'll pass. That doesn't seem like I don't eh. it's not connecting, it's not reaching, it's it's not clicking. I just think it's important. I think that why not? I, I don't, I mean, I know that sometimes you get a little faster without the authenticity thing, but it doesn't stay. It doesn't last. I'm like a longevity person. I think when you think about all the legacy brands that we know and love, like even like the other day I was thinking about McDonald's and I'm like, most millennials or most millennials, Gen Z, I think kind of likes McDonald's still, but <laughs> most millennials were like supposed to be all health conscious. Like I'm not eating McDonald's. Like absolutely not. Like, please, even if I was going to do fast food, it's not going to be McDonald's. Right. But if you surveyed a hundred millennials and you asked them to say their fondest memories about McDonald's, they'd all have a very concrete, specific answer. We all remember the joy of having a happy meal. We all remember your mom being like, do you have McDonald's money, right? Like we all, there's always something, the different toys that were there. If you went to the actual playhouse, right? Like we remember when they first got the McFlurries. We remember when they were selling Sprite Remix. Like there's so many things you could bring up. You remember going after school in high school, every day I ate at McDonald's. Disgusting. But every day, you know, with my beautiful metabolism back then, we went to McDonald's and it was like our hangout spot like it's it's kind of and it goes back to again authentically connecting authenticity marketing that's really to me all it is is authentically connecting with the brand mcdonald's in my opinion is not giving you no fluff we make the best hamburger in the world right we make people happy welcome to mcdonald's right like you know what you're gonna get it may not be the healthiest thing but you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna leave here satisfied, at least while you're eating it, right? We don't know how you feel later, but whatever. They they lean into what makes them good. They've never really changed that. So I say that to say, right? Fast forward now when they partner with a Travis Scott or another huge artist, like a, I think Jay Balvin, right? When they they partner with another huge artist, maybe I'm not going to buy the Travis Scott meal. 
but I noticed I said something about it. I brought visibility to it, or maybe I did. I know I have friends that went and bought that meal just to say that they bought it. Like, oh, wow. To show the receipt on Instagram. Like, really? You paid however many dollars, but like, it's a real thing. And they authentically connected. Authenticity. Their fan base, yeah, their their audience, yes, they like Travis Scott. Yes, he's one of the biggest artists in the world. And for him to come up with a menu, it just works. I, I think, I don't think, again, there's any other way. You can quote me. I don't think there's any other way to market than authentically. Not a way that makes sense. Not a way that's going to actually translate and last. I think that you have to start there. And I think with me, as far as like marketing brands, businesses, artists, whomever, it's like, who are you, right? Who are you? Like, yes, we want to get it to an aesthetically pleasing and marketable version, obviously, right? But who are you? Like, who are you? What? Why are you who you are? Why most, you know, what's the, it's really storytelling, like branding. Why does this product exist? right? What is the reasoning and what does it do for people? How does it make people feel? How do we want them to make, how do we want it to make them feel, right? Like what do people think when they see it, like when they're in proximity to it? Like it's just all these different things, but it has to be real things, not things that we made up, right? Like we can take something that's good, the the heart and the soul, right, of the brand and build that out. I'm not really fond of doing it the other way around and trying to find a soul. Like that doesn't seem yeah, to work. And what's cool with what you just said is I think one thing, one strong point that I want to bring up that I got out of this and, and it happens in marketing all the time is like, if you really want to know what your consumer is doing, look where they're spending their money because they millennials will say that they don't haven't been to McDonald's in the last month. But if you check that credit card statement, we know you've been. They might have been there and a yeah. right. They ain't gonna say it out loud, but <laughs> but they might have been there on a late night. You know, even if just to get the fries, guilty, right? Nothing else is open. Where did you eat? (laughs) You probably went and got yourself some fries. Yes, I absolutely agree. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is that I think a lot of brands are getting in trouble for not being authentic and like people are bringing up receipts of them not from the past. Like a lot of brands are coming up with like, oh, I made a statement. That's enough. Like, and, but then you go and dig through their receipts and like, oh, what is the action behind that statement? Like, where is the action? You're not being authentic to your brand. Um, So I want to go into like that topic. Like when is it the right time for like a brand to like speak up about something and a brand to like keep quiet and is there should Brent when is a good time for those two things? I think that personally, I think that the same way as like an individual person on a human level, when something is wrong on a human level, you should speak up. I don't care what it's about. I don't care what the timing is. Like you need to speak up and stop what you're doing. You need to speak up about it. I think though, in the same breath, that there are some nuances to some things, rarely, but sometimes there's a nuance and sometimes it's more of like, who is our audience? And is this something that they really, really, this is our audience that really affects them directly? Then obviously, I don't understand why there's a lack of correlation between not being invested in the things of the people that pay you, right? Like, 
people, consumers spend their money with brands every day. I think at the very least, they can get on a free app or two or three and release a statement saying that like outside of you just spending dollars with us, we also give at least a little bit of a damn about you as a human and what you're going through and what life, you know, what's happening in your life and within your community. I think that's super bare minimum, right? What I really think should be happening, right, outside of statements is actual actionable things. Every company, big, small, startup, tiny, gigantic, Fortune 500, has a philanthropy budget. They have things set aside. They have initiatives. They are approached by different entities and organizations, right? There are whole departments dedicated to that. So there's actually, to me, no excuse to forget your Instagram posts. Get on the ground. You need to be donating. Put your money where your mouth is. Like, if you really want, again, speaking back to the fact that, like, people buy from people that they like and they like people that they can trust, Right. And so in order to get and keep someone's trust, you have to show and prove you have to show up and you have to show up consistently. Right. And so I think with that, like brands should absolutely be investing back into the consumers that they serve. One thing about me and us over at Brown Perfection, like. Uh, you know, we're really great at tapping into different target audiences, but particularly when it comes to tapping into like black, brown, people of color audiences. My thing with brands is that I'm not doing anything with you or for you if you're not going to reinvest back into those communities. And maybe it's not necessarily always a philanthropic thing, but you can invest in other ways. Maybe it's by hiring content creators for these campaigns, right? Maybe it's by speaking to them authentically and not just, oh, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. But, you know, make it round this thing out. And I think more brands need to do that. Like there's so much bare minimum because it's always been check this box, check this box, check that box. Cool. We got a campaign, we're making some money, we're done. Those days are finished, especially with the detectives of Gen Z. I'm telling you guys, like they are not, (laughs) they do not play. I love to see them because they do not play. They are the ones, to me, what I've seen, millennials will pull cards, but Gen Z will pull cards and they'll stand on them. They're not moving. There should be, you know, there's certain brands where I don't have to question whether or not they stand for something. And I think all brands should kind of take that stance and really think about, again, if doing the right thing isn't enough of a reason, think about what your customers care about. And I think every brand should care about their customers because they care about their ROI. Um, So those are my thoughts on that. I love the statement that you make about like action. I think like that that's the key to thing and i think it's continuous action it's not one time action i think like if you're going to put out a statement it has to be continuous action and you actually going back to what your whole brand is is authenticity if you're going to make some a statement you got to live by it and it has to be authentic and you have to carry through because like you said i have a friend that's a big in gen z and they will say like action action for gen z because if you're not going to have action they will pull up receipts where you made a statement right. or you, like, didn't do um, something. you said you donated x amount of money where'd you send it to where'd they go where are the people with the money like they don't play and i think outside of just like you know put your money where your mouth is initiatives i think what really needs to happen is 
actual diversity and inclusion, not just the not just the title, but like actually doing it right. And so that I think a lot of brands for some reason are confused about as well. Like diversity and inclusion is not you having a couple of token people of different demographics in your company, right? It's about having a literally equal spectrum of demographics in your company with positions of power in your company, with executive positions in your company, right? Who are getting paid fairly and equally, who have equal saying things. And to be honest, most companies would not have this issue on, oh, do I speak? Do I not speak? If they actually have people in the company that, we're dealing with the issues that they should be speaking on because it's very easy to look left and right in the boardroom and have certain people say when something happens in a certain community, yeah, guys, this is crazy. Like we need to talk about this simple. But if you looking around the room and no one in the room is in these communities and you all look the same, of course, it's very easy to just be like, do, 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 what? That has nothing to do with us. And then you have the entire internet and your entire consumer base, your entire consumer base of flaming you now online and you look terrible or as terrible as you are because you should be doing that every day anyway because it starts inside and it goes right back to authenticity, right? Like it starts at the core, not the other way around. It's about what really the heart and soul of the brand is, the company structure is, you know, that feeds into everything that you do. I think it's easier to see it when it's a startup company or a a smaller business because there's a smaller infrastructure typically. And so you can kind of see each piece and why it makes sense. I think when companies get really big, they lose sight of that often. And so, yeah, like that's where it starts. It starts on the inside and then it works its way on the outside. I think if just like anything else, like you're, you're literally human body. If you're putting good stuff in your body, you're good. You won't have much worry about the outside and how you're feeling and how your mind is working and all, you know, all those different things. But yeah, it starts at the core because you trying to play catch up and um, do the bare minimum. That doesn't cut it for the 2021 consumer at all. Yeah. And I love what you just said there, because I think a, a big part of marketing is the core culture inside of your company. Like a big part about marketing is the values you have as a business and the values that you have inside the business. And you need every single voice to have those values because otherwise you, you're, you're basically talking to one type of person. Like you're not talking to everybody. So I, I love that point. I think like brand starts at, at the core of your company. Like brand does not start at what the consumer thinks about you. It starts like the actions you make inside your company and then how you pursue it outside to the world. Yeah, like, you get uh, to narrate the story. Like yeah. you get to narrate the story for sure. So I think that's a lot of thing that, things that marketers forget sometimes too. I think sometimes we're so focused on the consumer and how they're going to react or getting them to react and getting them to buy in. But we forget that we're the storytellers, right? Like it's like when you are putting a kid to bed and like you're reading them a story, they're not like jump, most kids anyway, you know, they're not jumping in the book like, oh, turn to page 14. Like, no, they're listening and waiting for you to tell them the story. They might have some questions along the way. They might be like, oh, can you say that part again? But like, you're in charge. <laughs> so like, you literally get to lay out the playing field, build it and they will come based off of like, observations. And again, we have social now. So you're getting feedback in real time. People will literally tell you what they don't like. You literally, we've never had, 
you know how many decades marketers have been having to rely on random surveys and like those little like case study tester rooms and stuff. Literally now you could tweet something out and have thousands of people respond and tell you whether or not you should release a blue shirt or a red shirt. It's like, it doesn't get better than that. I think we just got to stop overthinking it so much. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to go into a question. I love asking people on this because I think there's common themes, but also everybody has had a different answer. So I want to hear yours is what do you think is most markers are doing wrong today? Um, I think thinking too much, right? I, I think a lot of us, because the playing field is so competitive and there's so much and like content is king and there's so much content. I think a lot of us are overthinking and we kind of, again, we focus on like the analytical and the algorithms and the this and the that and the numbers. And we're not focusing as much on like, are we actually even connecting? Are we connecting? Are they getting it? Is it translating? And I think as marketers, sometimes it's difficult because you have to work with alongside the actual like CEOs and like bigwigs of the brand, founders of the brand, and like they want a certain result. And so I think sometimes it becomes this hamster wheel of like, we're just trying to achieve that result. We're not really always trusting our instincts. So I've made it my business to stand firmly on my instincts, even when clients don't necessarily get it right away, because when they do get it, it's like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, like this is where we needed to get to. Like we need people to get it. I know all of the, and there's so much information out there. So like everybody's taking it's like the running joke on social where it's like um, you're sitting in a board meeting and the client is like, oh yeah, my nephew says we need to be on, we need to make a TikTok about it. Right. And it's like, Sometimes that's yes, but sometimes it's like, no, we need to be like, we don't even have like the <laughs> the main branding down. Like you're talking to me about TikTok. And it's like, I think that's one thing that marketers are doing wrong. And I would say also just not, um, I think we got to think ahead, right? I think we got to think ahead. And I always tell clients like, you know, when you're up close with a brand or with anything or with their company, they can only see directly what's in front of them, maybe to the side of them. If they turn around, they can see what's behind them. Our job at Brown Perfection Agency is to be the drone shot view, right? We see everything at once. We're like the overarching. We're seeing like what's working, what's not, what maybe you didn't even think about over there that could be like your purple cow, right? Like we're thinking of all those things. And I think that marketers need to do more of that. Like sometimes I literally back away from my work right? I go and I do random. People are always like, oh, if you're in a creative funk, what do you do? I go outside. I go look and see what else is going on out there. I watch a movie. I do something totally, literally one of my favorite supervisors on, in the world told me, one of the first things he told me, he was like, good ideas come from anywhere. And that was actually the basis on what he hired, how he hired me. He was like, you're brilliant. Good ideas can come from anywhere. And don't ever forget that. Boom, give you the job, right? Like, but literally I, that stuck with me because everywhere. There's ideas all around you. And sometimes, again, I think we're too like up close holding the brands and the marketing so tight that we're like so rigid. So you see random things. It's like, oh, like um, Popeye's, right? Like they've got this, this whole chicken sandwich thing going. And I'm pretty sure they spent wazoo dollars on the marketing and the advertising for the thing that made the chicken sandwich pop to be a tweet. Wow. 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 I mean, honestly, I would have been looking at the invoices like, well, damn. And I mean, yes, it's amazing. It's a win. But again, 
How simple was it? Why did the tweet work? Because it connected to the audience, like in a very authentic and easy way. We didn't care about the commercials. We've seen a thousand Popeye's commercials. We've seen a thousand ads. We see ads all day. But what we don't see is chicken brands going head to head on Twitter every day. I mean, now we see it way more, but it was like a thing. It was like, oh, snap. And then it was also like, oh, well, damn, let me see what this chicken sandwich is about. And then that became a thing. Everybody posting their damn chicken sandwiches. It's like, again, sometimes we're too close up and I think we need to back up a little bit. And remember why we even do this, because we are creative, because we understand people, because we love people, because we love, you know, maximizing the potential of brands. We love connecting brand purpose with the people. Like, remember that no matter what. And I think, again, it's difficult because there's so much noise in the world. But I think as creators of most of the noise, we have to remember to also step away from the noise ourselves and get some quiet, creative space. I love that. I think some Dan from that interview from Yelp had the same answer. And also Nicole from Tinder had like the same type of answer. She phenomenal brands. Yeah. They both they both said that like one that we need to remember the goal of marketing, like simple, which is what you just said is connecting with people. That is the goal of marketing. And we all we thinking about is like all these projects and things. But at the end of the day, we forget like when we're doing this projects, like the goal of the project is to connect with people. And then, yeah, just it's super interesting. Like this is like how simple like marketing be. And I always say like what you said, and I love how you say it is like, the goal of like any marketing is like to translate to your audience and like, how do you translate to your audience? It's sometimes like the most simple thing in the world that you didn't think about. And you're trying to think of this complex campaign, but it, it could be a simple thing. Like, uh. yeah, and, and the complex is cool, right? Like, you know, it, it works for us, but I think typically in a full campaign, it's usually the simplicities, right? That, either make the big bang of the campaign, right? It's the smaller things or or it's one very small thing. And maybe we did a bunch of things to lead them to that place. But at the end of the day, like human beings, as complex as we are, we are also creatures of habit. I think we're also simple in the way that like different things make us like tick on a complex individual level, but on a like macro level, pretty much the same things, right? You need to make somebody feel something. That's also why I like experiential because it's like, oh, wow, in person, we can make people feel. Like that's always my goal, right? In any marketing, make somebody feel something, make them feel hopeful, make them feel happy, make them feel enraged, make them feel like they need something, make them feel capable, make them feel satisfied. Like there's, we're just trying to make them feel something. And I think like we get lost in that because it's like, numbers, accolades, sales, da 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 But it's like, if you consistently make somebody feel a certain way, they'll never stop coming back, no matter how good or bad you are. We keep buying iPhones. They make us feel a certain way. They just do. Um, and they've yeah, done and it. it's funny because sometimes like, it, and Roy Sutherland, he wrote the book Alchemy. It's some, he always says that sometimes it's just a psychological change that you need to make in your campaign. It's like, sometimes you just it's a psychological moonshot. Like you say, like Apple focused on making the experience of the iPhone better than making a better product, like a better like features in the product, meaning like the product is so good because the experience of opening your iPhone and 
your face opening right. it and the unboxing experience they feel something there like the android like oh you have cool features but like you don't make me right. feel anything yeah and that works for android users i always say like anybody i know who has an android i'm like you're a super techie you are super like you know and that works for them i think iphones bore them right? Like they want like real like features. And I want to know that my phone does this, blah, blah, blah. iPhone users, we're like, we want a nice experience. We want to feel good. We want to look good. We want the status. We want the simple, clean interface. Like we're in, we're all in. Um, So I totally agree with you there for sure. Like Apple, hate them, love them, mad at them. It's always, I've posted um, their something from 1979. I can't believe I'm having a brain fart right now, but I posted about them recently and I was saying, oh, their marketing, you know, like rules or whatever would still hold true in 2021. There were some people under the tweet complaining about their Apple products. (laughs) And I wanted to like comment and be like, like I said, it's still true in 2021, (laughs) but I was like, I don't have the time to go in depth right now. I was having a busy, busy, but Literally, it's like, ah, but I wish they would blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, but you ain't switched over to Android yet. So they clearly are still doing something right. And I think even that vintage point, right? Like I think marketers are so meticulous. We're almost, sometimes I get like this, like I'm afraid to make a mistake. I want to get it absolutely right, right? Like I can't just throw the dart. I need to, like, I need to, I don't know what I'm going to do to with physics. I don't know if I need to like put a fan, but I'm going to make sure this dart gets the bullseye. Like, so that I know that like, even if it didn't, like I was super close or it should have been there, or it was something else. But it's like, sometimes you just got to do it. You just got to go, just put it out. And like, it's okay. Like you, I always tell myself and my team, like it's not the first or the last marketing project we'll have, thankfully. <laughs> so, and if it's a great, incredible brand, if it doesn't hit the first time, build on that bricks. Sometimes it's not a straight, maybe sometimes it's not an elevator. Sometimes the flattest stairs and like, you got to build it little by little. And then by the time you get to the top of the stairs, everybody's like, oh my God, it's incredible. Brand, grand, brand grew overnight. And it's like, no, we've been working this growth strategy for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Yeah. It's funny how all your correlations, like go back to what you talked about before and like the music industry, like how like brick by brick and connecting how music connects with people which is amazing (laughs) the last thing i want to leave you with is where could people find you and where could people like how could people connect with you and all that good stuff anything you want to talk about right now sure um you guys can just follow me at my name janae brown j-u-n-a-e-b-r-o-w-n like the color uh you can follow our agency at be the number two p agency we share a lot of resources um i know people be like follow my company and then they're like okay i don't post anything (laughs) but no we actually give a lot of resources on like marketing business development wellness whether aspiring marketer the startup emerging brand artists, personality, creative, whomever, business owner, executive. And we do our best to continuously provide value in that way. We have a series called Brownie Bites where we break down pretty good and standard and important rather um, marketing topics, new and old, and we break them down into bite-sized versions. It's very much like how I'm talking right now. It's not like, oh, this term means blah, blah, blah. It's literally just me talking and like explaining um, what they are. And people tend to find them helpful. Gotta be doing some other stuff throughout the year that I pray is super helpful too. Some 
really serious about community and not just like in a performative way, but it really means a lot to me. And if you check my receipts, uh, Gen Z's, right? <laughs> if you check my receipts, that's, I've always been about that. Literally the base of this company, it was supposed to be a website helping people with marketing stuff. Um, that's before I knew that I was going to leave corporate. So yeah, the mantras never changed. Just trying to help people, everyday person, creative marketer, brand, become the best version of themselves. And I always say perfection is simply the best version of you. Figure out what makes you great and build on that. The last question I have for you, just because it came to my mind, is mm-hmm. how did you brand yourself as Beyonce of marketing and where did like that come up with? Because I love it. It's like the coolest. I'm like, I always, I, I don't even say follow Janae anymore. I'm like, follow the Beyonce of marketing. Yeah. Like I always forget that it's there a lot of times. And so like I'll get on a podcast or I'm having a new, or I meet somebody for the first time. They're like Beyonce of marketing. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's me. Um, <laughs> So a few things. Everybody loves Beyonce, number one. Number two, Beyonce to me just represents excellence. She's so excellent. And, you know, she's she's consistent excellence. She's excellence we saw build and grow over time, too. She's not just like instant excellence. Like she's not no instant ramen. Like she's like some a whole cooked meal. Like we watched her from literally a child build into this huge amazing entity, like beyond just a performer and a superstar, like philanthropist, this, that, right? And I think so excellence, right? And then also like, it's like top tier, it's quality. You know what you're going to get, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be creative, but then it's also going to be impactful. I love how she used her platform to also invest in and talk about and shed a light on things that are important, Right things that are in on a broad global scale, right? Like I love also just how she goes hard for black and brown people, but I also just love globally all the different causes and things that she has her hands in. Like she really used her platform for good. Shout outs to Be Good, the actual whole right, like organization. So yeah, like really like that idea of excellence, not for nothing to her marketing is immaculate. I was so grateful to like when I worked at Columbia, Beyonce was on the roster, right? So I got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of Beyonce work under my belt, I guess. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I love that. And so to me, when I thought of like the type of marketer that I want to be and want to be known for, it would have to be that. Like there really isn't like, where else do you go after Beyonce? Like, where else do you go? Like, it's like, standard right and so like that is i think aside from just being eclectic being you know really super serious about global impact and philanthropy and being super serious about culture and being super serious about just being excellent i think is also that standard for me and my marketing nerd side also said that um as far as seo social and online like most people, Beyonce is a really hot topic. So whenever anybody searches for Beyonce, my name comes up. Whenever anybody searches for marketing, my name comes up too because the Beyonce name supplements. So I love it. I, I love it. I should have worn my Slayer Be Eliminated shirt. I have. Oh my god! I should have worn it on this podcast. Oh yeah, I have a I have a work ethic on Beyonce work ethic Beyonce shirt from Shift World that I love to wear too. Yeah, I um, wore it at Coachella, and I was like the 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 fanboy at Coachella, like 
Yeah. We're all fanboys. Yeah. Beyonce. We're all stands, <laughs> secretly <laughs> or publicly. I truly believe that everybody, like, even people are like, I don't like Beyonce. I don't even know why. I'm just like, that's just, you're just a little confused. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to get this out and promote it. I yes, think there's please. some amazing gems in here. And thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure and a very insightful conversation. I love the questions. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good one too. So I'm excited to share it. Cool. Thank you so much.